PCA Conversations with Black Voices. This is Between the Pew. Between the Pew is brought to you by African American Ministries. AAM exists to provide ways to support, mentor, and mobilize African Americans within the PCA. What's good, people? Welcome to another episode of Between the Pew. Today we are joined by Kari Thomas. Kari is a member of Redeemer Church PCA in Jackson, Mississippi. She is also the manager uh, at Chipper and Coco, which is a pet store in Jackson. She has a dog named Cuddy, who she treats like most people you know, treat their human children. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll hear about Cuddy throughout this episode. My name is Janelle Chavis and I am joined by co-host Kelly Brown. What's good, sis? What's up? What's up? And we're just excited to dig into our time with Kari here today. I am particularly excited to get it in with Kari for a variety of reasons. One being Kari is one of my best friends. (laughs) In fact, she might be, she might be feeling a little some type of way that I just referred to her as a friend. Oh, look at that. (laughs) And not like a sister, uh, because she, she truly is like family. She even got, she even got hot when, um, I'm reminded of the time where my, one of my siblings removed her. Say her name, Javette. From our our family group text. Twice. (laughs) Twice. Oh, Steph. She thought <laughs> but, uh, she was fair. She thought she was blood. <laughs> yeah, Kari be getting hot if we don't treat her like family. What did, what did Jesus say? Who is my mother? Mm. <laughs> Who are my brothers? Mm-hmm. That's right. Family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, Kari, Kari and I met when I, you know, I was like, what, five? Maybe you were four. So oh, we, wow. we truly grew up together. She's been a good friend to our entire family, really. She lived right down the street from me. Lived other. right down the street growing up. She was a bridesmaid in my wedding. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you go back to listen to Between the Pews first episode, you'll hear me talking about how I had a friend who invited me to a PCA church, which was essentially my entrance into the PCA. Well, Kari is that friend that I was referring to. So she... Um, she definitely is the reason why I got into the PCA. And as you heard in that same first episode, um, I met my husband through church. So in a way, you know, she's the reason why I found a husband. It's all <laughs> on you, Kari. It's all on Kari. Wow. So there's lots of stories, lots of things to appreciate Kari for. So, and you know, enough of all that, Kari. No, no, keep going. <laughs> I have to say, you, you've gotten the good introduction. Now we can get started. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Kari, good to have you here today. Good to, good to be here. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. First of all, Kari, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, who your people them are, you know, where you grew up. Okay. Um, so, I am from Jackson, Mississippi. That's what I say to people who aren't from here. But if you're from Mississippi, I'm from Pearl, Mississippi, which is right outside of Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably one of the cooler suburbs uh, in the area. So I um, grew up in the church, as a lot of people do. I was Mm -hmm. born on a pew. So Mm -hmm. for real? Basically much. (laughs) Wow. Um, 
And I have four other siblings. So there's five of us. A lot of people think I'm an only child because that's how I act. But there's four <laughs> other people running around here just like me. And Just um, like you, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like too. They're not as cool as me, but we have mm. some similar features. But y'all have a lot of fun together. <laughs> well, you mentioned church, Kari. Tell us about your church background, your the church you, you grew up in. So I came from the same denomination that Janelle was a part of, um, which was Kachusa. And that's the acronym for Church Christ Holiness USA. It's a predominantly Black church. Matter of fact, there's... I can think of one white member in the denomination, not just in my church that comes to mind when I think of um, white people as members is one. And she was married to one of the pastors at second temple. Mm. Um, But yeah, so predominantly black church, um, very traditional. There was an emphasis on holiness. Mm -hmm. I would say that we were very conservative. Um, There were expectations of, wearing skirts to church for women. Um, and when I say expectations, um, I will say it wasn't like, oh, you can't come in without a skirt. It was just, a that was culture. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was an emphasis on holiness. We memorized scripture. We were very active in the church. Uh, we had conventions every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was a legit community of more than just your church. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I would know people just as well from Chicago who were who was in a Kachusa church. Um, matter of fact, one of my close friends, Marcia Gordon, lives in Chicago. I met her through church. We've never been a member of the same church, but we've always been a part of the same denomination. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of relationships like that. Maybe not as close, but just like that. Just that familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did you stay in that church and what was your introduction to uh, the PCA? So I was a member of Kachusa for, well, let me start saying member. I attended Kachusa churches until I was 18, until I went to college. Mm -hmm. When I went to college, I had a goal my freshman year. I was also at Southern Miss with Janelle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a goal to go to church every Sunday because this is what I was used to. And I was wondering if I could keep it up, yeah. even though I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And so I visited a lot of churches. So I visited Baptist churches, mostly um, some predominantly white. Um, most of them were predominantly black mm-hmm. because that's just what I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. And. I decided I, so my, this matters. My freshman year, I was at Southern Miss. The next two years, I'm sorry, the next three years, I went to a HBCU, which is a historically black college and university. Mm-hmm. And so, which one? The, which one? Which one? I went to Tougaloo. Okay. Uh, my sophomore year, played basketball there. And then I did track at Jackson State University mm-hmm. and graduated. And I also did mm-hmm. track while I was there. So when I got to Jackson State, what am I going to say? When I got to Tougaloo, my introduction into the PCA was my mother. My mother went to Redeemer first. Redeemer was brand new. Mm -hmm. And so she was one of the first members. 
And I was super confused. So I was like, my, why in the world do you want to go to church with all these white people? Mm-hmm. Like, what in the world are you doing? And she was like, Car, you got to come hear me sing. Come hear me. I was like, I know what you sound like. <laughs> right. And she would beg. So she begged me. And I finally came. And I think I was 19. Finally came to hear her sing. And Mike Campbell was our pastor then. Oh, yeah. And he blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I had never heard anybody preach like him. Um, mm. I'd never heard anybody who even preached in the same style as he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had never heard anybody who right off the bat, I was like, oh, this dude didn't just wake up and say, the Lord placed it on my heart to tell you that God loves you. And that's the <laughs> sermon. Like he legit. It sounds like he's been researching this stuff all week and it made me feel important. Mm, okay. And so I kept going, but I didn't want my mama to know I liked it. So <laughs> I would go just wow. for the sermon. I get there late enough just for the sermon in the back. And as soon as he finished, I didn't wait for the benediction, which they no. don't call it that in the PCA. Mm-hmm. I don't wait for the benediction and I would just slip out the back. So what? my mom didn't even know I was going for a while. What? I, was, really? I was a little embarrassed. Wow. That, that I like this white chick for real. <laughs> and, and I also, Kachusa was extremely close, extremely tight. So I did feel like it was kind of a, this is an exaggerated word, but like a traitor to mm-hmm. leave, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like family. Yeah. And yeah. I was leaving to go to this white church. Mm, right, was, right, right. And so you just trying to understand. And then like my friendships, I was wondering, are they, you know, we still gonna be just as cool? Like, how's it gonna be? So I held my, I, I visited Redeemer every Sunday for about five or six years before I actually joined. But I was, I was already serving in the nursery. Mm-hmm. I was already serving on things like, you know, if we were building something, I was helping with that. Uh, I was heavily involved. And I remember my campus minister, who was Elbert McGowan, who is now our pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say who wrote the book, but he gave me this book uh, that says, Stop Dating the Church. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, dude, mind your business. It's <laughs> like, well, well, I got to join. Right. And so he just started talking about like the difference between members and how they submit to these uh, teachings and, and submit to correction and and want people to be involved in their life and just kind of know. And the more he explained it, I started to get it. Mm-hmm. And that next year I went ahead and joined the inquirers class. Oh yeah. And joined the church by myself. Um, when was this? Do you remember what year that was? I was 26, I believe. I was 25 or 26. So I'm 32 now. Mm-hmm. 20, 2014. So I'm, how did you manage when when you when when your Kachusa family finally found out? You know, they checking for Kari. Kari not there. Where Kari at? Well, she go to another church. What? And then they find out it's a predominantly white church. How did you manage with that? What did people say? I think before they knew, before they knew that I was a member of what church I was attending, because it wasn't like I really broadcasted it. It wasn't like a shame that I had, but 
I just didn't post mm-hmm. on Facebook that I joined the church day, and it was surprising because I post everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She she threw a, a facial shade at Janelle for saying mm. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so so I I hadn't come out to them mm-hmm. as being in the PCA, and so when I I think when I think they started to see changes just in how I analyze things because even before the PCA, like I mean I was such a church kid like you weren't going to have conversations with me without throwing in church puns. Mm-hmm. I was going to make some kind of weird church, you know, like that was me. And so I hate to say it cause it sounds so weird, but my jokes became reformed. <laughs> That's oh, really cool. <laughs> oh, I wish I had an example. I was about to say, can you think of an ex- a reformed joke example? Um, no, but okay. if I think of one, I'll tell you, but, um, Cause a lot of them were attached to like something somebody would say, and they're right. like, "Ah, I don't know, man. Uh, uh-huh. I don't think you're good at all, actually." <laughs> Bob say no one good, right? So, <laughs> but I think they just noticed that, and then eventually they realized I wasn't fully kidding. I was just like, I was kind of serious, and so I, they noticed that change in me, and and then I started to crit- I I started to do the negative thing that a lot of black people do when they yeah. leave a yeah. black church. And go into reform. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I had this, and I never went to seminary or anything, but I had this frustration of like, man, y'all told me this stuff, and it's not really true. Mm-hmm. And so I was, it was a frustration, and it was a y'all are wrong on this, y'all are wrong, you know, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to point it out. And and so it's definitely the arrogant phase that I wish I skipped, but I didn't, like a mm-hmm. lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did not get bad enough where my friends didn't want to be around me, but they saw a change. So then they were like, okay, what are you into now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I still love Jesus. I just, I'm seeing a lot of things differently. Like I'm, I'm looking at verses in ways I never looked at verses before. Mm-hmm. And so Albert McGowan was our campus minister at Jackson state. And we, it kind of felt like during college, I got more church there. Mm. Um, than anything okay Um, he was just really good at breaking down scripture really good at explaining it to us Mm -hmm. and so much so like jackson state was the first hbcu to have ruf yeah Mm -hmm. and they had tried it several times before elber got there but it was with a white guy oh man and you know we just weren't feeling it we weren't Mm -hmm. used to any kind of reform teaching Mm -hmm. and so for a white person to come in our space and sound like we've been doing it wrong i think it just kind of made people already on the defense like no i'm not gonna go to that group right because there's already like this distrust negative yeah distrust and negative connotation when you think of the white person coming into a black space Mm -hmm. to to deliver the gospel Mm -hmm. Um, and so elbert was just like a wonderful tool that i don't think i would have absorbed it the same if it wasn't him in the package that he is in Mm -hmm. all right that's a plug for more black men and women on these campuses (laughs) for black folks true that's true even even at uh colleges like southern miss that isn't an hbcu but has a heavily 
mm-hmm. uh, black population. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he ma- he made a difference. He made that connect with 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 church, and also consistently pushed me to be more than just a member. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I loved it. Kind of a taste of what I left. It is, and I'll say it's not the same. It's not the same as Kachusa. It doesn't feel like the same family. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely feels more distant and disconnected. But there's a lot of pros that still has kept me here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, the biggest thing I think, like, I feel like I've had a lot of conversations. I've said this to Janelle many times, is that inviting us to have a seat at your table is wonderful, but a lot of people do it in a way as if we didn't have a table that we were already eating from before. Come on, sis. And so I was still, even as a member, kind of defensive of that. And so anybody saying, oh, like, I'm so glad. Isn't Elbert great? Doesn't he really preach? And I'm like, yes. But the church I came from, too, also preached the gospel. I know that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. um, and so that was like a big thing that I had to remind myself. And also, it, it also dealt with any kind of resentment that I had um, from Kachusa, which wasn't a lot, but because to this day, I've always said, I appreciate the church that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade that for the world um, because Kachusa taught me that church was more than just Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kachusa yeah. taught me that people at church were your family. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. true. And, um, and I would love to bring that same type community to the PCA or wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's real. So, Kari, what would you say? I mean, you're you're in the PCA. You um, feel like this is where God wants you to be. Uh, surely there were some things that were difficult to get used to as you were transitioning out of Kachusa into the PCA. What would you say are some were some of the things that were um, they're just hard to get used to within the PCA? You know, a lot of people jump for the music first. You know. Honestly, I preferred if everybody was silent. I remember my friend Daniel Young. <laughs> what? I know. Don't follow me though. I, that, my buddy Daniel Young. I was telling this me. to him. I was like, you know, I just, I just want to come for the sermon. I don't really need the singing. And Daniel was like, you're gonna hate it in heaven. And I'm like, boy, be quiet. You right? Do you still do that? Because I remember, I remember you would come to Redeemer services like. 30 minutes into the service so you could just hear the sermon and then you would scoot your way out. Do you still do that now? Uh-oh. 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 Well, no, I'm going to tell you, I try to well, miss COVID. the meeting greeting time. <laughs> I ain't going to lie about that. Oh, man. Greeting. No, you, it's, uh, that's a little awkward for me. <laughs> so it wasn't but, the music, but so what, what, what were some other things that you say were difficult to get used to? It was difficult to get used to how distant it was, how distant it felt. Um, I started dealing with loneliness. I'm not saying it was because of the church at all, not Mm -hmm. at all, but I didn't start dealing with the issues of loneliness until I changed churches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I will also say that joining the PCA also made me face things within myself that I had never faced when I was in Kachusa. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the reason that I faced those things, or I was able to deal with some of that, and at, to this day I'm still dealing with somewhat joyfully, is because I knew that the PCA looked at scripture extremely 
intellectually and deeply. And sometimes that can be a negative thing, but in my case, it was a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to, the biggest thing is I was able to deal with my sexuality somewhat freely in the PCA in ways that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable with in, in Kachusa. Sure. And sure. let me explain because I definitely don't want anybody to be confused in what I'm saying. I knew from a young age that I was attracted to the same sex, mm-hmm. but that was never something I dealt with because my church was just kind of like, we, you know, that was not something that we were going to discuss or talk about at the end of the day. Any kind of way you think about it is wrong. Like you wrong, even if no matter, you know, and, right. you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't up for discussion or understanding or anything. And then mm-hmm. the PCA, I felt this comfort because I knew that the truth was bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have to fear anybody lying to me and just saying, oh, you know, just be who you are. Yeah, some people said that, but overall that was not the message. You know, it was accountability and it was also understanding to freely have those conversations with people, especially my, uh, my pastor, Elber McGowan. Uh, as a college uh, minister in RUF, he's the first person I ever came out to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was something about how comfortable he was with scripture and how much he preached grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That even created the environment for me to have those conversations with him and talk about struggles and not feel like it's ah, you need to stop. Uh, I want to hear yeah. it. nothing yeah. to talk about. You just mm-hmm. need to quit. Mm-hmm. And and so from him and from quite a few people in the PCA, I've gotten understanding. And sure, I walk. I'll walk with you in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll you know I'll help you read on this. I'll help you in any kind of way that you need it. Like that conversation was very much entertained for me mm-hmm. in ways that it might not have been entertained in my previous church. Mm-hmm. That's so encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, hear that a lot. And I think it's probably specific to, well, I can't say that, but I'm <laughs> sure pastors like, like Albert, you know, every pastor is not like that either. Um, yeah. And I would say Mike Campbell, um, who I, I remember I, I was talking to him and I think I can't remember if I was talking to him or I sent him an email. He's a big email guy. Um, but he is like one of those big giants in my life. Like that's how I see him. I see him as a giant mm-hmm. um, to me in the PCA. Um, but he was so compassionate. Yeah. Mm. You know, he was so like, hey, this is not. <laughs> I deal with right. sin all the time. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. You ain't got a different flavor. <laughs> like you, right. It all tastes nasty. You know, so <laughs> I think they it's weird to say they made me comfortable mm-hmm. with who I was, but one of the biggest things Elbert told me when I came out to him was, Kari, I don't think God is trying to make you straight. I think he's trying to make you holy. Mm-hmm. Amen. And and in the same way, like, he, you know, he broke it down with, like, you take married men. I don't think God is trying to take their attraction away from all women. Mm-hmm. But he wants him to, them to honor him mm-hmm. in the midst of that. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact that he broke that down to me, like, was like, I was able to breathe. Like, sure. yeah, yeah. And he was a good representation of the PCA because he was not a pastor in the PCA at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, this is not even a pastor in the PCA right now. Like, you know, and I definitely had no thoughts that he was going to end up being my pastor. And so his understanding, the understanding of his wife, Karen, like that was huge for me. And I think that's really the glue that stuck me into the PCA. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for people like Mike Campbell and Albert McGowan, I would not be in the PCA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's real right there. Sure so you're, you're in, you're at Redeemer Jackson. Um, you know, it's still majority white. You are a black single female in this majority white space. What is it like being a black single female in in that space well dating wise you know who's not checking for you no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding y'all can edit that out please um <laughs> so uh, ask that question again because i just threw my own stuff off <laughs> yeah we, we gotta start over anyway <laughs> y'all making my stomach hurt right <sighs> what is it like being a single black female at, at a member of a church like redeemer uh which is multicultural but still majority white that sits in a denomination that's very much so majority white what is it like do you feel accepted do you feel dignified do you feel valued yeah and very marriage and family focused also yeah yeah so that's like two parts and please remind me to come back to the marriage and family focused Mm -hmm. (laughs) the toughest thing and, and how I feel, my personality is not going to be every Black person's experience because my personality is, you know, very different, as y'all know. Um, and everybody's personality is different. But for me, I'm pretty outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, I say a lot of things that's on my mind, not everything, contrary to what some think. Uh, but I, I, I speak out on a lot of things. And the tough part is that since I had been around Black people my whole life, who actually had this uh, interpretation of me as, um, what would you call it? Extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. When I moved into this space, it was like, oh, you're radical. Oh, you're a right. militant. Yeah. <laughs> you're a militant, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, only to you guys. You know my black <laughs> friends mm-hmm. think that I am super conservative <laughs> and... Well, call me bad names. <laughs> and I use friends loosely. <laughs> but I think that was the toughest thing. I think realizing how many people could be frustrated, irritated, or offended by my words, especially when it comes to like uh, social justice issues mm-hmm. or just race issues in general. Like I remember I did... Um, I facilitated like this race discussion with people in the church because it was just a lot of things. And I was like, like, we should be able to just talk about this. Like, and so I just got invited. As many people wanted to come over to a friend's house and we had this big discussion. It was white and black people and it was pretty good. Um, But I think it's always been tough to speak 
your mind in spaces where you're the minority. And when you know that the majority does not agree with you. And the toughest yeah. thing is to not take it personal. And I have not figured out how to do that. Mm. So how about when it comes to being marriage and family focused? As a single person who is uh, same-sex attracted, how does that, Or you know, I think there's a way to talk about it, but I think it's pretty broad and you know it's just pretty general as a single person i've heard that a lot from particularly black women who are in pca spaces that they just can't find a it's harder for them because everything is so focused on marriage being married yeah. and family how's that been for you it's been rough and i don't know if it's rougher because of my same-sex attraction um you know, I've gone in different phases of my life where I, you know, would limit how much I interacted with people um, just to police myself. Um, but it's the focus on the family has been tough because a sense of community has been what I've been desiring since I left the other church, mm-hmm. since I left Kachusa. And it's it's so, in my opinion, it's so hard to find within the PCA because we're so Dr. James Dobson focused on the family. <laughs> Dr. James Dobson, yeah. And yeah. I mean, he did. He made his whole career yes, on focus on right. the family. That's mm-hmm. a stick. And yeah. so, especially in the South, when family is heavily preached i mean i can't count how many times somebody asked me oh are you dating somebody oh you should meet this person oh and i'm like can i join the club without that mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah you know yeah. can i get those dinner invites if i don't have a fiance to come with me right mm-hmm. or, a, or a spouse and and um and so that that's been tough because it's almost like okay you reach a new level when you have family when you have mm-hmm. your own husband and children Mm-hmm. And so as a single person, uh, I would uh, relate it to purgatory because <laughs> you're just waiting in limbo for something to happen. And if you're like me, who has no desire for marriage, then you know that not- it's a good chance that nothing's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and so then you sit in with the feeling of I'm always going to be on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always going to be called to babysit. <laughs> I'm always going to work in the nursery. I'm always going to be helping clean up after events. I'm mm. always, you know, I'm in, and you have the worker bees of the church, but unfortunately, because we're so focused on the family, we think that the worker bees of the church is a stage of life. And once you get to a husband with three kids, Oh, you're not still going to be helping close down. Cause you got to get them babies to sleep. Mm. Oh, I can't help the, you know, and I'm, I'm just using breaking down events and stuff like that as an example. Um, but that has been tough. And I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with my pastor now and, and friends about not feeling connected mm-hmm. and, and feeling very lonely, mm-hmm. um, knowing that I'm not going to hit those same milestones that you guys are celebrating. And if I have to hit those milestones to feel connected, and to feel like I have community, then that's, that's depressing. Yeah. And it's, it's heavily weighed on me the last four or five years. I mean, 
extreme depression yeah. over that extreme isolation and loneliness because people didn't put an emphasis on friendships how they put it on marriage so yeah. prime example like i've been friends with people who i thought we were great friends and, and they're good they're they are wonderful friends i don't don't get me wrong but culturally they saw marriage as all the way up here and the mm. closest thing to it was maybe your really good friends right here but all this space in the middle it wasn't much room for anything else because it was heavily focused on the family mm. and so i i remember i had friends who not just one but several who would start dating somebody and I wouldn't hear from much, which is not unusual. Uh, or I wouldn't hear from them as much as I was used to. But I just started noticing things and it really got to me. Like, prime example, I had a friend who I had been friends with for a long time. I would say about six, six, five, six years. And they were dating somebody. And I was trying to be like, like, it doesn't feel like we're close. Like, it doesn't feel like we have a deep connection. And mm -hmm. that's what I wanted. And they were like, well, you know, that takes time. And I was like, what? But you mm. just met this guy and he's met both of your parents and your brother and I've never met them and they live here. Mm. But the difference is you compartmentalized how you want to make him important in your life. Right. And yeah. at the end of the day, whether you realize it or not, you've decided that that same intention, I don't think... Those same intentions don't apply to you and friendships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if your hope of a deep relationship is rested on the fact that other people are going to buy into the same idea that they also need deep connections, then oftentimes you could be fighting by yourself because they don't know that they actually do need those connections just as much as you do. Yes, mm -hmm. they, actually, they absolutely do. Yeah, And so it's it's been tough it's yeah. it's been tough but i i wrote this article um one time i think for mississippi christian living magazine and it said it was basically saying why you should date your friends mm -hmm. mm. and the back and behind that was there should be this pursuit of deepness and connection and holy in holy friendship mm -hmm. um, that we long for. Mm -hmm. like, the Bible said we just weren't meant to be alone. And I don't think he was just talking about marriage. Right. We're just not meant to go through this life alone. And yeah. God knew that we needed flesh breathing people mm -hmm. um, to be there, to walk through life with us, to remind us of his goodness um, and so I don't know, this always been a struggle. This always been something that I've, I've been pursuing. Um, and at the mm -hmm. same time, it's never felt like, oh, that's a reason to leave the church because at the end of the day, I've already told myself no church is perfect. Yeah, true. And there's just a lot of good that I've gotten in the PCA and I'm not opposed to leaving at all. Mm -hmm. However, so far I just haven't found anything else feeding me in the way that Elbert McGowan is feeding us on Sundays. And if I found that 
and and it felt right, then I'd leave. But as of right now, like, you know, God has been very kind to me and placed wonderful people in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a joy to be yeah. in the PCA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really good, Kari. And that's really encouraging. And, you know, with the whole family focus thing, I, I wonder, and I know part of it is probably geographic because down South, it's like, oh, you're not married by 25. What's wrong with you? Or maybe even earlier than that. Which is nuts. Which is nuts, which is nuts. But the further you go up North, you know, people aren't, aren't really, they're focused more on, mm-hmm. on other things, careers. I mean, I think the average age above the Mason Dixon, average age for marriage above the Mason Dixon line is probably somewhere in the thirties. Uh, it's 32. 32, okay. Kevin, y'all listen to Kevin saying, he's trying to rush y'all. <laughs> there's and the the church plays a big part of that because well there maybe because of a lot of different reasons but um it makes me wonder if it's you know it's not that's not pca specific you know it's like correct it's not. well mm-hmm. i would say well i'm not gonna say it's not pca specific but it is not my experience in the black church the same emphasis on that um, there's definitely an emphasis on family, mm-hmm. but it is not unusual to see plenty of women in their thirties single. And now that yeah. could be yeah. a racial, you know, just a, a, a pointed out cultural difference. Um, but mm-hmm. no, like I, I think in the church that I came from, it was not unusual to see women in their thirties single. Mm-hmm. would you would you agree Janelle yeah yeah I'd say so even just thinking about now because we're still you know we're still Kachusa adjacent in some ways so even just think about people that we know now I'm a Kachusa kid <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah I think that's pretty accurate that there are definitely some who are in their 30s and it's not like a weird thing it's just yeah. you know that's the nature of it uh, but you know super super encouraged by the fact that you have people like Elbert and, and, and Mike Campbell when he was there it made me wonder you said that the reason why you got in the PCA was because of people like Mike Campbell and Elbert McGowan if they weren't there mm-hmm. Mike's already he's taken on another call then I wouldn't be here oh, talking okay. to y'all <laughs> you, you saw where I was going with that okay so yeah. how do you reconcile between you know your pastor and reformed traditions i remember you said earlier that that um you started to become reformed and your jokes got reformed (laughs) (laughs) so how much of that reformed theology um holds you down in the pca and how much of your relationship with your pastor and the way that he's um loved on you and taught you over the years how much of that holds you down 99.9%. I believe that I did not appreciate myself before. I appreciated myself and I saw God differently than I had seen him previously. And And I'm trying to say that very carefully because make no mistake, I was a Christian before I ever came to the PCA. I was a believer. I understood scripture fairly well. I was really big on scripture memory, which was also something big in Kachusa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew scripture. So even that trans transition wasn't so much of me 
learning scripture, it was, it was just seeing scripture a little bit differently than I had seen it before. And that gave me a lot more grace. It showed me that there was a lot more grace there than I had ever realized Mm -hmm. um, for myself, for my sexuality, for honoring God, for mistakes, for Mm -hmm. sin. You know, there was being under the teaching that didn't try to baby sin, but at the same time, it was like, you know what? You're not done because of this. Mm. And that is what's held me in the PCA because I have not gotten that same feeling um, from other churches. Mm-hmm. And so- I have recently, like, well, I take it back two years ago, I started visiting a lot of churches because I was thinking about leaving. Um, but like I said, I, c- I just didn't find anything that was close yeah. in my area. Right. Yeah. So Reformed Theology has a a heavy emphasis on grace. Um, And it sounds like that did impact you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember telling Janelle one time that before I got to Redeemer, really the only time we even said grace was when we were eating. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) said, say grace. Somebody said, let's say grace. That was the time that grace came out of somebody's mouth. Lord. And so, and it was, it was definitely weird because I was sitting through these sermons and it was like, grace is so overly used. Like the most overly used phrases is grace and love you well. And Mm. (laughs) love you well is just funny to me. I think it's overused. But those were two things that I noticed that folks always say, I just want to love you well and grace. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's real. And you're right. It, it didn't necessarily come from our, our Katusa background. And, it, and that's just the whole, that's the holiness theology. So. And I truly think that they, if you break it down and like say it, it's not that they didn't believe that. Yeah. They just, it just wasn't the emphasis as much as it was in the PCA for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm-mm, you're good. So um, I want to switch gears just a little bit. So we're in a, you're in a, Majority white church, and um, we, we've just come out of a highly racialized 2020. What has it been like being a member of your church coming out of 2020? What has been um, the the support from from your church? Do you feel that now we need to go back to 2016? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah man well go, go go as far back as Facts. you need. <laughs> that's that's when this is a this is a, a white church in miss in mississippi so uh what but is? um <laughs> mm-hmm. but but in all in all in, in all seriousness how has the church addressed racial issues and and um is it something it, do they address it in, in a way that makes you feel feel loved well no um, I don't know if y'all have ever heard uh, the question that kind of gets floated around of what radicalized you. Have you heard that? Mm, Who's asking that? that yeah. I mean, black black people asking black what what radicalized you. Mm. And I'll say what I mean by that. So before, like I've I've for a long time had a consciousness of what's happening in the world. Um, I used to be a police officer for three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, and so like, 
race was never anything that I shied away from. They were conversations that I loved to have and were happy to have with people at my church. Um, especially knowing that unfortunately I was, I was some of their only black friends they ever sat at their table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I joked about 2016, but 2016 is kind of what radicalized me um, as far as how the church perceived me, the mm. PCA. And I'm, not, I'm talking about the physical church, not the invisible church. And so 2016 is when I really realized how different we were because there was this vote for president. And it was tough. Mm. It was hurtful. Yeah. And I didn't go to, I didn't go. That's when I started looking for other churches. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, you know what? I don't feel loved. They say all this stuff and those same people are like happily, not reluctantly, happily mm -hmm. voting for somebody mm -hmm. who at the least, at the least is racially insensitive and racially insulting. To yeah. many people. Yeah. And so I was thinking like, man, if the greatest commandment is loving others, is loving God, how so many people, how are y'all missing this? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and that's coming from somebody who had voted conservatively for president every time except for him. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I couldn't understand why people voted for the Republican Party. Uh, my family was, uh, well, I ain't gonna say my family. I have a very conservative grandfather that we won't talk about right now, but I understood the, I understood why Christians were voting Republican. Sure. But I did not think that they were a slave to that vote. 2016, mm. I found out that they were a slave to that mm. vote and it was tough yeah. to go to church with them right. because it was personal. Mm -hmm, it was right. like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't separate your vote from me. Yeah. Like you, you can't like both of us. <laughs> like you gotta pick. Mm -hmm. And 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 so that was just it was extremely tough. I, I felt often dismissed, especially when somebody would feel like I was being radical or you know, I you know, looking at things and I was too biased. Um, it was it was tough because race truly was the divide. I mm. thought we were so close because of the gospel mm. before race got as big in our lives as ever. And for the most part, race had always been big in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. But rarely did white people have to vote on it. Right. And I truly feel like they voted on it. Mm. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, I'm not saying that every, and people say this all the time, Everybody that voted for Donald Trump was not racist. But everybody who voted for Donald Trump did not didn't see mind. this racism as a deal breaker. Yeah, they didn't exactly. mind. That's what bothered me. It's like, so I can see this as a deal breaker, but this isn't a deal breaker for you. And I couldn't reconcile us being, me being loved by them. Mm -hmm. And so I distanced myself um, for a while. I was looking for churches. And after I, <laughs> after I realized that, I like my pastor. <laughs> um, Shout out to L. <laughs> yeah. After I realized that I was getting fed good food, 
I came back, but it's it's still been this hesitancy to get too close. Cause it hurt mm-hmm. really bad being so close to that many people and feeling that kind of hurt. Yeah. And it, it wasn't just Donald Trump. It's you know, since then it's just been a lot of stuff. Even looking at a lot of these issues in the media. Um I mean, I would say that uh illegal immigration mm-hmm. or immigration period has been a touchy spot, right. you know, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I remember Mississippi had the biggest roundup of illegal immigrants deported in the U.S. history. Mm. We did that two years ago, I think, two or three years ago. We had the mm-hmm. biggest one in U.S. history. And it's weird because we're not even a border state. Right, right. So they literally had to go out of their way to do this. And I remember people rejoicing. And they did this on the first day of school mm-hmm. for children. And so these kids came home and their parents were gone. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. mother was gone. Their father was gone, who was working at a chicken plant. Like, mm-hmm. and I literally saw people from my church unbothered or rejoicing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, we it's both can't be the same. Yes, yeah, bad witness. Yeah. And but at the same time, like I think God really, really challenged me. And he was like, who are you? <laughs> who mm. are you? Do you know how many things that you have gotten wrong and rejoiced at? And like, dude, mm. who are you to feel like you are supposed to put them in their place? Let me do that. Okay. And I think that that part kind of tempered me. Hmm. Mm. So you said that you felt dismissed by some of the people and you said you have a, you know, you're, you're not afraid of using your voice that you speak up. Did you ever express that pain to any of your members or did you feel like it wasn't even worth it considering the relationship? No, I've never held my tongue. Whenever I distance myself from people, I usually use my mouth more. And I just let nature take its course. So <laughs> I was always speaking up. And but I just got to the point where it was like, no, nah, I'm not going to censor myself. Like if I feel like I need to say this, if I, I don't need to be worried about losing a friend, because if I lose them, they probably weren't my friend. Um, but at the end of the day, they're family. Mm-hmm. And so the respect level, I did honestly try to k- keep and I do. But the fear of you not liking me went out the window. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's free to be in that space. Um, but you can also, again, isolate yourself. But the good thing about Redeemer, and, and it's weird to say that I'm PCA because I don't feel like I am because if I don't know any other church in the PCA that's quite like Redeemer or has the percentage of Black people. Um, I know in Mississippi, area. in Mississippi, we don't. Mm-hmm. I, I visited so many PCA churches in Mississippi in, in 2019, but you know, we we're we're very different from the rest of the PCA as far as what we look like, our demographics, and how we worship. Mm-hmm. And so it gave me room enough to be myself and enough to have like an amen corner of like, no, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I got a buddy, uh, Deshaun, my buddy Deshaun always, I often write things on Facebook. I always, 
often write things that I'm thinking on Facebook. And my buddy Deshaun, who also is at Redeemer, Deshaun Dyson, he has been a wonderful friend to keep me in check. <laughs> if, if he ever thinks I'm not being loving in what I'm saying, he's good to say, hey, I kind of agree with you, but people going to get the wrong impression if you write it like that. Mm-hmm. If you say it like, like, mm-hmm. is your goal just to say how you feel and just get it off your chest? Or is your goal really to, to spark a conversation or, you know, or, or hopefully in, what's the word? Influence someone's heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that that kind of guidance also from another African-American in the PCA mm-hmm. has been amazing. It's needed it's discipleship mm-hmm. yeah you know it's you know it, it doesn't have to be sitting down with a bible every tuesday going over a book but it's like just daily life discipleship like do i hear what you're saying but do you think your delivery was loving because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you keep it up you're gonna be just as unloving as the people that you're talking about yeah mm-hmm. and so deshaun has just been a good brother to me um, and, and he's also created a space for my feelings to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deshaun and good. his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, I think that's necessary to have some people like that in your corner who can be good friends, who can act as disciples with you and can check you when necessary. So <laughs> yeah, that's called that, iron, that is... iron sharpening iron. Yes, hey. absolutely. Well, we're getting close to our time here, but I have um, one, one last question for you, Kari. If you could give a piece of advice to someone like yourself, who's choosing to worship in the PCA, a black young woman, what kind of, what kind of advice would you give them uh, to encourage them in, in this space be very intentional about community be very intentional about building deep relationships and it will break your heart it's gonna break your heart because people are gonna let you down and and at the same time you're gonna have to be understanding of that mm-hmm. you know the hardest thing is to understand somebody letting you down in a way that they don't even know they are mm-hmm. but i would say could be very intentional on pers- in pursuing relationships within the church. One of the lovely things about Kachusa was it was a push for everybody to be involved, to be involved. There was a push for us to serve. There was a push for us to participate in music workshops, oratorical contests, uh, Bible, Bible bowls, <laughs> you know, like there yeah. was a push for us to be more active than just on Sundays. I mean, this was stuff that we were practicing for at the house with, with cousins or other people like, Mm -hmm. and, and, and that push made church bigger than just Sunday. It made it a lifestyle. And if you leave churches like that to go to the culture of the PCA, you're going to have to fight for it. I was kind of served that on a platter in Cachusa. And in the PCA, I got to ask and I got to beg. And literally, I literally asked people to go to their house and cook for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, hey, when can I come to your house and cook for you? And it used to be weird. Some people were like, mm, 
why don't you just come up with dinner and but my thing was you know if I really want a relationship if I want this to be bigger than church bigger than just growth group and seeing you like I want this deep connection with people like man get in the kitchen and everybody's not gonna do that but what I'm saying is like serving and and just pouring yourself into your church really does help being connected Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you're going to because I still deal with the loneliness and, you know, and wanting the deep connections. But, oh, my goodness, it would be 500 times worse if I wasn't actively pursuing it, because at the end of the day, who is responsible for it? Me, not anybody else. We really appreciate your your courage to speak. We appreciate your vulnerability. I think that um, you're not you're not the you're not alone in the in the PCA as in you're not the only black young not woman. at all so mm-hmm. I think those black women will hear you, you know your story and feel um you know seen as well and encouraged so appreciate you for that mm-hmm. Kelly yeah. thanks for joining me yeah girl my pleasure always yes. always a pleasure mm-hmm. absolutely thank you again between the pew is brought to you by african-american ministries To follow AAM, be sure to visit our website at aampca.org and follow us on social media at aampca. See you next week.